listening to the teaching of Doxa Church. Doxa is located in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and our mission is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. If you got a Bible, go ahead and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 10. We're going to pick up right where David left off last week. And uh, this message is a little bit different, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, it's, it's been a challenging message for me uh, to preach it this week, but it's, a, it's going to be a good one. I'm, I'm, excited to, I'm excited about preaching it. But it got me thinking about something, and I want to ask you this question. You just kind of, you know, don't shout it out loud, but just think to yourself. Um, I know with the kids in here, it's sometimes when you ask questions, you, you get answers, and I don't want to embarrass anybody. Um, but, like, think about what makes you happy. Th- think about those things that, that bring you happiness. What brings you the most fulfillment in life? And I, I was, we were riding up to get something to eat the other night, and I asked Stacy that, and, I mean, her answer was family for both of them. And I was like, really? But, no, I, was, I mean, it was just like, eh. I mean, that one would be, yes, what brings me fulfillment, but not what makes me happy. Um, and my family does make me happy. I didn't mean to say it like that, but it's just, you know, I, I find happiness in a lot of, a lot of things. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but if you, if you could create like the perfect day, like if you could create the perfect day, think about that for a minute and just think about like, would it be filled with happiness? Would it be filled with, with gladness and laughter and pleasure of course it would it wouldn't be it wouldn't be filled with with hardship and mourning and sorrow and patience right I mean like if we could pick the perfect day like we all kind of could see like where that's going to be right I mean I for me it would be a nice strong cup of coffee maybe on the on the back deck nice breeze and my iPad in front of me watching Star Wars good Star Wars like you know episode four like you know the good the good Star Wars you know it's all good Star Wars. I'm one of those people, so it doesn't really matter to me. I could watch anything. Um, but when we think about that, when we think about those things, like, like what makes us happy in that like, perfect day, right? We think about, like, there's not any kind of trouble or, you know, we're not thinking about stress. And there's not, like, that's not a part of what we're thinking about there. But Solomon's going to teach us something today. I mean, he's going to ask a question. He's going to ask, what, what's, what's good like, what's good for us? And we're going to see this morning that there's a sort of a paradox of this wisdom that we see in the world and what Solomon's going to give us. Because the world is going to tell you, like, you, you're going to find happiness in money and vacations and binge-watching a TV show or a movie. It, it, all these things that, that you're going to find happiness. I mean, just turn on the TV, turn on streaming service or whatever. If you, if you don't pay for ads, you see the ads. Um, but you, you, you look at commercials, and it's just, again, they're just selling you stuff. But it's always, there's never a commercial for anything like they're sad or they're upset and they're trying to sell you that, Right? <laughs> Like, if they are stressed, off, stressed out in the commercial, it's probably because they're selling you a product that's going to alleviate that stress at the end of it, right? They're never going to give you something except for, like, ads for medication. Now, that stresses me out, okay? <laughs> Those ads really do because you're, like, the side effect list, and I'm going, do I really need to take this? Like, I'm going, like they all end in death. So, I mean, I don't know. But, <laughs> I mean, it's just, but when you think about ads, you're thinking about, like, it's, it's what's going to make your life better, Right? 
And, and I, I was kind of studying this. I'm, just, I'm curious. So I, I typed in the, the Google machine, what makes you happy? And this, this poll came up. Now, this poll was done in the UK, and it was done by Baby Bell Cheese. So I don't understand the poll at all. Okay, really. But it was, an, it was interesting. It was the, they asked the question, what makes you happy? And there were 20 things that made, that made these people happy. There was, it was a small group, but number one was a good night's sleep. We can all, I mean, yeah, I mean, I haven't had a good night's sleep, but I couldn't tell you when. Um, but a sunny blue sky, summer, receiving a compliment or praise. For some of us, that's not like something good at all. We can't handle those. But like crying with laughter, eating your favorite snack, that was all the way down at number eight. So I figured like, okay, baby Bell, maybe you need to do some work if it's number eight on the list. But like pets happy to see you, finishing a good book, finishing a workout, hearing children belly laugh, that was one of them, finding a parking place, when your football team wins, having a clean car, that was one of them. But if you notice something about that list, everything about that list, these are all things that are fleeting, right? They're all things that like, like the one I laughed about the most was having a clean car. The clean car lasts about five seconds because as soon as your kids get in it, it's no longer clean anymore. Like that, like, I mean, just cleaning anything, cleaning your house. Like there is a sense of accomplishment when you get done, but then it's like, you know the tornado's coming, right? You know the kids are coming or the dog's coming or in our case, the pig's coming. So you know it's going to happen. Like it's never clean, right? It's an ongoing cycle. But you have that moment and then it's gone. But then I was like, okay, so let me ask a different question. What brings fulfillment? And it was a study done of Americans back in 2018. And these were the top five things that when asked, these, these are the things that bring fulfillment in your life. 69% of the people said family. That was number one. Just, I, can, I can track with that one. Then it was career, money, faith, and friends. Those are your top five. And I noticed something a little different about these answers. While these answers are good and they do bring fulfillment, but every one of these answers, if you really kind of think about it, like there's not just happiness in those answers. Our relationships with our family are not always happy, right? You can say amen, especially if you're not sitting next to your wife. It's okay. We, your career. Like there's hardship. Like you've got to fight for you. We learned about that last week. Enjoyment in your toil, right? Like so there, there's going to be some hard work that comes along with that. Even with, with our faith, like it's not always sunshine and rainbows as, as some of us may have thought when we, gave, when, when we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior and we're thinking, okay, now we don't have any bad days. Has anybody experienced that? I just want to make sure because I'm getting ready to burst your bubble here in a minute, okay? I just wanted to make sure, I did, yeah, okay? You're going you're gonna to experience hardship. There's going to be bad days. And, and, and even though these things give me, like my family does, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fulfilled in having, spending time and being with my family. They bring me fulfillment, but it's not always easy. And so that's what, that's what Solomon's going to talk about today as, as we get into Ecclesiastes. So if you got your Bible there, six, chapter 6, verse 10, and it says this. Whatever has come to be has already been named. And it is known what man is and that he is not able to dispute with anyone stronger than he. The more words, the more vanity. And what advantage is that to man? 
For who knows what is good for man while he lives the few days of his vain life, which he passes like a shadow? For who can tell man what will be after him under the sun? So Solomon poses a question to us, right? What is good? Who knows what is good for man while he lives the few days of his vain life? Who can tell a man what will be after him under the sun? Basically, who, like there's nobody that can tell you what's getting ready to happen. Nobody can tell you your future. Nobody knows. And the world wants to give you the answers to these questions. Like the world wants, like, like we just talked about, they want to be able to give you these answers because it's the way the world makes money. It's the way the world operates. They want to give you the answer to those questions, but honestly, they, they can't answer it. There's nothing they can do to answer it. But Solomon's going to teach us today in, in, in sort of, a, sort of a, a paradoxical Proverbs that he's just sort of dumped right here in the middle of Ecclesiastes, like right in the middle of the book. We're going to see today exactly how we're to live. And for some of us, these are going to be hard. I'm not going to lie. It was hard for me to read it. I mean, if you haven't figured out Ecclesiastes is hard yet, I mean, you're still with us, so I'm going to give you a pat on the back for that one. Um, this has been a hard book, amen? So let's look in chapter 7, and, and let's see the first part of these Proverbs that Solomon's going to give us. Chapter 7, verse 1, it says, A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face, the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. Y'all excited yet? <laughs> so th the first point I want to show you this morning, we're going to do some math this morning. Is everybody okay with that? I hate math, so I really didn't like this, but y'all know less than, greater than, okay? I want you to see this morning that mourning and sorrow are greater than laughter and pleasure. That's not something we normally talk about, right? And this is not something that we sit around the table with friends and discuss, right? Because we honestly, we don't want to. Like, this is not a, a conversation we want to have with somebody. It doesn't make sense to the world. This is absolute madness that this would be in, in the Bible, right? I mean, just... <laughs> Your, your, your day of death is better than your day of birth? Like, as a parent, like, that doesn't make any sense at all, right? I mean, I, I, I've never lost a child, but I know some of you, you may have, but, like, you wouldn't trade that day of birth for anything in the world, like, with, with, with the day that they passed, right? I mean, that's just, come on, Solomon, what are you talking about? But what he's trying to say is, he's, he's, he's trying to say, he's trying to get us to understand that death is a serious matter that we can learn more about life from in the sorrow and mourning that it brings than trying to laugh it off and pretend it doesn't happen. You see, I'll be honest with you, there's a time in my life where I didn't, I didn't want to talk about death. I was 16 years old and I lost my grandmother. And, and, and I'm just now figuring out I never grieved that because when she died, I was on my way to Memphis on a mission trip. And like I get to Memphis 
as I was 16 years old, I pull up in a van. This is before cell phones now, so there's no way to get in contact. If you can imagine that, it's hard to imagine. I was telling that to somebody the other day. I was like, yeah, I drove all the way to Memphis with no contact with my family and, and no contact with anybody other than the eight or nine of us in that church van. And I get there to Memphis and I'm greeted at this school. We're all getting out. We're all excited to go on this mission trip. And the, I get greeted by somebody that says, hey, you've got a phone call. Okay. Me and the youth pastor walk into the office and it's a note that my my, my dad or my mom, I can't even remember who called me, but somebody called me, and I called them back on the, on the landline there, and I found out that my grandmother had passed away. And so everybody's excited about going and, and getting on to the, with this trip, and here I am just devastated. And by that evening, I'm on a plane back to Spartanburg. We have the funeral in a couple of days, and we decide it's best for me to get back on a plane and go back to Memphis and finish the mission trip. That's what she would have wanted. But as I look back on it now, like, I never wanted to talk about death. I never wanted to face it because I never had a chance to, that was the first person that was really close to me that had died, and I never had a chance to actually grieve that person. And so death to me was something I didn't want to touch, I didn't want to talk about, I just laughed it off. Let's not talk about death. That's too hard of a subject. We want to talk about it. But what Solomon is teaching us here is you will learn more understanding what death is than you will just trying to laugh it off and move on from it. Because when he asks the question, what's good, what you need to understand here is that we all die. Like, I hope that's not breaking news to anybody in here, but starting in Genesis, we learn that when sin entered the picture, the wages of sin is death. Like, it's going to happen. Like, it's appointed for all of us to die one day. And we have no idea what that, when that day is. So what Solomon is saying in these verses is he's saying, hey, wake up and understand this. Wake up and understand that, that one day you will perish. So what are you going to do with the days that you have while you're here? The first part of Hebrews 9.24 says that we're appointed one time to die, and then the judgment. Like, it, it's, it's clear. David speaks of this in Psalms 90, uh, verse 12. Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We know it's coming, so it gives us a chance to take seriously the time that we have. Some of you, and maybe, maybe you're, you're in that stage of life where you're just, man, you're, just, you're flying by, man. It's, it's cool. It's whatever happens. I was listening to a comedian this week, and he was talking about that. And he said, yeah, in your 20s, you're game for anything. You're just like, I don't care where we're going. Let's just go. And by your 30s, you're like, where are we going? Can I drive? And by your 40s, you're like, I'm mad that you even thought I'd go. But there's a point in time where it's like, you could care less. Like, it doesn't matter. Drive as fast as you want. I'm, I'm having a good time. Like, it, like there is no care in the world. And it seems the older you get, you start to understand that the days are not, like there's something more important. Solomon says here in verse one, it says, a good name is better than precious ointment. He's trying to get them to understand. He's trying to get us to understand that, that what we leave like the, the reputation that we leave, the legacy we leave is important. So, so live now. But in doing that, we, we've got to understand that mourning and sorrow are better 
than laughter and pleasure because these things help us to understand that. They help us to, to, to get to understand. It's not only, not only does it help us to evaluate our lives and number our days, but we can understand the experience of life matters. Life is hard. And the older I get, the more I believe that life is filled with more downs than it is ups. This science fiction writer, David Gerald, he wrote, he wrote this. I just I had to chuckle. I thought it was funny, but it's just so true. He said, life is hard, then you die. Then they throw dirt in your face and worms eat you. Be grateful it happens in that order. But that's what happens. Life is hard. I mean, life is, is full of, of valleys. I was, we, were, we were talking with somebody this past week, and... and, and we were talking about being in the valley versus being on the mountaintop. Now, I don't think anybody in here would raise their hand and say, I would rather be in the valley than on the mountaintop. But let me tell you something. When we're in the valley, as I've talked to people about this, they, 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 tend, to, they tend to say that they are closer to God or they're, they're striving to get to God. They pray more. They read their Bible more when they're in the valley. Why? Because they need him. They're, they're faced with the harsh reality that they need him because they're going through hard times. And so, many, so often when we get on the, the mountaintop, it's, hey, things are going great. Why do I need God? Because things are going wonderful. I'll pray to him and say, thank you, but that's it, and we're done. Because, man, things are going awesome. But here's the deal. You don't stay on the mountaintop, right? And even if you chase mountaintop opportunities over and over and over again, you're going to realize that all you're doing is chasing meaningless because God wants to teach you something, and when he teaches you something, it's normally in the valley, it's normally in the dirt, in the mire, in the muck. So life is hard. I think God intended it to be hard. I mean, you think about your favorite stories. Think about some of your favorite movies. Think about some of your favorite books. Some of our most favorite books, I know the most favorite book that I have read, I don't read a lot, but I've read some books, is... It's, it's, a hard, it's a hard story. It's a tearjerker. It's, it's got a hard, I mean, it's not one that's an easy read because it's sad. And I'm going to say the title of it and you're probably going to laugh. But it is what it is. But it's The Notebook. Now that movie was good, right? And most men, if you say you don't like The Notebook, you're lying. I'm just going to be honest. Most men love that movie that I talked to. They wouldn't admit it to their spouse, but you know. But I read the book after I went and saw the movie and the book is so much different than the movie. And if you don't know anything about this story, I'm, I'm, spoiler alert, but if you ain't watched it or read it by now, you ain't going to watch it or read it, okay? It's about a couple who fall in love, but the book is all about this, this husband who has a wife who's battling dementia and Alzheimer's, and she's in a nursing home, and he goes to her every day, and he reads to her out of this notebook, and it's basically the story about how they fell in love. And he walks in there every morning and he starts to talk to her and she has no idea who he is and he, she wants him to leave and it's, it's, it's hard to hear and, and it's hard to, to picture that. And by the end of the day, he tells these stories and she knows who he is for just like a fleeting glimpse. She knows who he is for a moment. And then he leaves and has to come back and do it all over the next day. And in the book, they suffer some really 
hard. I mean, it's, it's hard. It's not like the movie where it's just like, oh, mama don't want me to date you and all this kind of stuff. No, they lose a child in the book. There's other things that happen in the book that are just like gut-wrenching. And he, he goes through that every day with her. And I was thinking about that this week, man, just that book. Like, it, it, like I, I couldn't even think about the book without crying. Like, I'm driving down through Greer, my UPS truck going, eh, no one alley, oh, my God. Eh, you know, I'm like, I'm like I, that was me. Like, I'm thinking about that book. But, it, but as I'm thinking about the, the story, like, it, it shows this immense love that these two people had for each other and what he would sacrifice to just gain a moment of that. Like willing to go through hell to relive some of this stuff, to know that you're going to see her just for a moment and then the next day you got to start it all over again. And I know that's a book and it's fantasy, but, but a lot of us, that's how we live life. Like life's tough. Life's hard. Maybe we've, we've lost somebody that's been really close to us and we're, we're going to have to learn how to, how, to, how to move from day to day. Maybe you've lost somebody and it's been a while and, and you're still having to learn how to move from day to day. It's hard. But let me tell you, God is teaching you something through that. It got me to thinking about like looking back on my life and some of the hardships we've had. I mean, we, we had a, a, a nine-week-old baby that was told he's going to have to have heart surgery. I know I've told y'all that story before, but I mean, again, it's like having a doctor go in and cut on a heart that's about a little bigger than the size of a half dollar, cut a piece out and then put it back together. I mean, I trust people, but I just don't know if I trust him that much. And we celebrate it today because, I mean, he's, he's here. Like, he's, I mean, he's fine. Like, you know, God blessed us with a miracle. But I think about that night in a hotel in Charleston all the time because God taught me more in that moment when I thought he had left me. In the moment of my deepest and darkest sorrow and, 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 and hate, I mean, I did. I was, I was seething at God because I wanted to be put in his place. That's what I wanted. And I learned more about who I was. And I learned more about who my good God is. And I got closer to the Lord in that moment than, than, than a lot of things that have happened in my life. And now, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Because that's a moment that I've had, that, that I've gone through, that God taught me so much. I mean, we, we can line up and we can list the most impactful moments of our lives. And I'm, I feel like it's just going to be the same thing. It's going to be hardship and hurt and sorrow and mourning. But it reminded me of what Paul said in Romans 8. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good for those who are called according to his purpose. I mean, I look back on my life and most of the hardship that I've, that I've encountered, God's used it for good. We went through an extreme hardship just to get to where we are right here as far as church goes. And, and I mean, again, I'm standing here in front of you uh, being able to deliver a message of, of hope. And, and I know it doesn't sound like that yet, but, but of hope and of love. But we had to go through some really tough times to get here. And I thank you as a church for coming alongside my family and helping us and building us up and being there for us when we were at one of our lowest times in our life. And, and honestly, I go back and I say, you know what, I'd change it. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change a thing. 
I wouldn't change one single thing. It reminded me this week of a song that I, I, oh, I love this song, and I hadn't heard it in a while, and so I listened to it. And again, another day that I was driving down crying in my UPS truck. I was, man, I was, I was a miserable wreck this week. People thought I was, man, they, they were, <laughs> thanks Ecclesiastes. Um, it reminded me of a song, an old Garth Brooks song called The Dance. <laughs> Sometimes I thought I said, y'all know. I'm going to spare you. I'm not going to sing it. I won't do that. I ain't going to lie. I won't do. But it's talking about this opportunity. Like he, he loses somebody, but it's this moment, this experience he has with that person. This dance they shared beneath the stars above. And for a moment, all the world was right. How could I have known you'd ever say goodbye? And he talks about being able to go back and change that moment. And he's like, no, I wouldn't go back and change, not the moment. He goes, I wouldn't change anything about it. I wouldn't change, I, if, I, if I'd known, he says, I'm glad I didn't know the way it all would end and the way it all would go for the experience of that one moment. See, I believe that's what Solomon's trying to teach us. The experiences of our life are going to be hard but it's in the experiences of life that we learn and that we grow and that we become closer to God because we have these experiences. Yes, they hurt. Yes, we're going to lose people. We're going to lose friendships. We're going to lose uh, family members. We, we, may, we may lose uh, just relationships that were, were there for years and now they're broken. We, we may lose children. I, it, there, there's no end to, to the pain and the sorrow, but God is going to use that for good and he's going to teach you. And, he's gonna, and you may not think that now. But you look back on it, and if you take a moment to look back on your life, you can see where God was there in the valley and where God was right there with you. And even in your hardest moments, even in the toughest days, when you were, you were, you were upset and you were asking God why, you can look back and now and understand that God was teaching me to be closer to him. He was teaching me to be like him. So, so Solomon asked the questions, what good is it? The next part of this comes from verse 5. He changes his tone just a little bit here. He says, chapter 7, verse 5, It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For as a crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of fools. This is also vanity. Surely oppression drives the wise into madness and a bribe corrupts the heart. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning and the patience in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be quick in your spirit to become, be not quick, excuse me, in your spirit not to become angry for anger lodges in the heart of fools. He's talking about another tough subject here. Patience and listening is greater than shortcuts and arrogance. When we think about our impact in, in the world, or maybe our careers, maybe in our school, maybe wherever we are, everybody that's in here, you're, you're impacting somebody. You're coming into contact with somebody, like you have relationships with somebody, and you're impacting that person through those relationships. And some of us, maybe you've got a mentor, maybe you've got somebody that's, that speaks into you, but I don't know about you, I, I've never liked it when a boss or a mentor or anybody looks at me and says, hey, we got to have the talk. We got to have a talk. Nine times out of ten, it's never gone well, right? Or at least in your mind, 
when you're thinking about the thousands of things they're going to say and the thousands of rebuttals you're going to try to try to come back with in the moment that you're walking in their office, it doesn't go well. But what Solomon says here is the heart, excuse me, it is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. How many of you have enjoyed those talks? <laughs> no. You may have enjoyed the outcome, or maybe it's been, maybe it's been an older, seasoned Christian, and, and, and you're, you're caught up in a sin, and, 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 and they love you enough to come to you, and they sit you down and, and talk to you about it. And in that moment, you don't understand what's going on. You don't, you're not liking it. You're, you're completely against what's being said here, but understand that this rebuke is out of love. It's to help you. And again, Solomon tells us about these hard things that we go through in this life and, 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 and these experiences that we have are meant to shape us and mold us into people who are more like him. Listen, I don't like being told I'm wrong. I think it's a thing that all men have. We just don't like being told we're wrong, right? Especially when we're driving. Better be careful. She's in here today. <laughs> but it's hard sometimes. Because when I make that wrong turn and I hear that snicker and go, you know, you missed your turn. No, I know exactly where I'm going. In that moment, I have no idea where I'm going. But I am not going to concede the fact that I don't know where I'm going. There's a sense of arrogance there, even in a marriage. I didn't hear anybody get elbowed, so we're good. Okay, I'll keep going. <laughs> but Solomon tells us that, that this is, <laughs> hearing the, 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 the song of fools is like crackling of thorns under a pot. It's like having a, a fire and you're trying to heat up something and you're using thorns to do it. It's, it's going to be loud and it's not going to produce a lot of heat. It's going to go out really, really quick. You see, it can be very easy for us to hear what we want to hear. Go to the people that tell us, listen, I've been guilty of this myself. I go to the people that I know are going to tell me good things about my work, that are going to tell me good things about who I am, that are going to build me up and edify me. I'm not saying that building up an edification is not a good thing. It is. But if we continually go to those people or we continually uh, just hear those words from people and we don't hear the rebuke sometimes, we end up being just flat people. Because we've not allowed ourselves to hear what's wrong. We've not allowed ourselves to hear what we could do better. Or we've not allowed ourselves to hear those teachable moments that God may have for you that, want to, that he wants to build you up and change you into the person that he really wants you to be. And that's hard. And then he presses on this idea of patience. And none of us in here, I mean, you know, we're, we're not going to sit here and go, God, I want patience, because y'all know what that does. <laughs> but this world will teach us that, that we have success by any means necessary. I mean, you just think about the, 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 the amount of information you hold in your hand right now. If you're sitting next to a cell phone, have a cell phone, you're holding a cell phone, you're looking at your Bible. I mean, your Bible is in your cell phone, Right? 
we have every bit of information that this world has at our fingertips. And not all of that information is truth. Amen? But we live in a society now that, like, it, it, we can find it quickly. We, we are entertained by, by 30-second TikTok videos or Instagram reels that we barrage our spouse with and hope that they're going to like them, and they never do. But it's all quick. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's now. I want it now. I got to have it now. And I think that's the thing that plagues, like David talked about last week. We're not willing to work for things. I think this generation comes up, they, they see that, that it's now, it's now, I can get this now. And then they get into the real world and realize, wait, I've got to wait. I actually have to have patience. It doesn't come at me when I swipe up every 30 seconds. And so Solomon talks about that. He's like, such oppression drives the wise into madness and a bribe corrupts the heart. Like, it's, there's a shortcut there. Like, I don't want to be patient and wait and work for it. I want to find the shortcut to get there. He says, better is the end of a thing than its beginning, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. What Solomon is saying there is, there is, there is knowledge and wisdom when we hunker down and we work through something. When we're willing to say, I'm in it for the long haul, and I'm not just about climbing a corporate ladder trying to get to the top. Because let me tell you what happens when you get to the top. You get jumped over because somebody is climbing faster and harder than you are. And then you lose your identity because you don't know what's going on anymore because you can't climb harder or faster than they can. But what Solomon is saying is have patience. Work through it. It's going to take some time. It's going to be hard. And that patience and listening is so much better for you. God is going to use that so much more than you trying to take shortcuts and trying to think you know it all. Because I don't know about you, in my life, as soon as I say I know it all, God knocks me down a peg or two and I find out that I don't know it all, that somebody else knows it all. And then I don't know what to do. Because then I don't have the experience to fall back on because I didn't sit in it. I didn't work through it. I didn't, I didn't get my hands dirty. I didn't push. And then the last little bit here, the third thing is, is in verse 10. Excuse me, verse, yeah, verse 10, verse 10. Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not... From wisdom that you ask this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance and advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money and the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? We see here, this last thing is that wisdom, and this is really the whole thing encompassed, but wisdom is greater or better than folly. <clears throat> Folly is, is just a lack of good sense. That's what that word means. Just a lack, of, a lack of good sense. I think what Solomon's trying to tell us is it's a lack of being in the moment. It's, it's a lack of being in the moment where we experience what God has for us to experience. 
And I think if we see anything from what Solomon is saying here, we see that that's where wisdom comes from. I mean, he talks about, don't, we don't say, you know, the, how about the good old days, right? Can I tell you something about people that do that? I mean, I, I'm, 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 I've done it before. I'm not going to say I haven't. But people who long for the good old days, have you noticed something about them? They only long for the good old days. They only long for the things that happened that were good. If only we could go back, I heard this so many times, if only we could go back to the 1950s when it was good. Was it? <laughs> I mean, I think people that say these things don't, they, they were never good in history. They couldn't have been. Because even history that we learn in school tells us that, you know, it was just as messed up then as it is now. Like, I don't think there's ever been a time that we've been alive or that, 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 that life has been on this earth other than being in the garden that life has not been messed up. So if you're not pining for the good old days of being in the garden with Adam and Eve, you're not thinking of good old days. Like, there's, there's hard times that are there. My, my father-in-law used to say that all the time. Oh, if we just get back to the good old days, if we could, if making these kids work and putting them out in the field and doing all this stuff. Look, my kids would have died. Like, I would have died. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, I would have been, been the one on Oregon Trail that would have died first. I'm, dysentery's got me. I'm done. <laughs> Like, that would have been me. I'm sitting here going, yeah, for you, that may have been great. But, I mean, I'm sitting here going, what's the good old days for me? Like, dial up? No, thank you. I remember that. AOL, and then somebody calls, and you're done. Like, you know, I'm just trying to check the one message I can pull up. I mean, what do we do when we say that? Solomon says there's no wisdom in that. Because, because to sit back and pine about the good old days and to think about the things that were, yeah, we can sit there for a moment and we can reminisce. But guess what? You don't live there anymore. You live here, in the now, in the present. God has you here for a reason. God has you going through these things for a reason. You're in the relationships you are for a reason. You are planted where you are in this moment for a reason. I, I thought about this this week. Like, that's one of the things, like, as, as, as the identity of our church, we kind of, huh, I don't know, because, like, wh where are we? What are we doing? Guess what? We're here for a reason. I mean, we could, we could, we could all sit back and go, man, I remember them good old days at Upward. I mean, some of them were good, right? I didn't like load in, load out. I wasn't there for like the big load in, load out. But I mean, even just a little bit that I experienced, I was like, no, no, thank you. No, thank you. I'm good. But we have the opportunity right now. God is doing something in this church right now that is shaping things and changing things. Listen, I, I don't know what it looks like. And it may, it may not look great at first, but God is taking us through something and he's going to make us better on the other end. When we look back at this time here at Northgate, it's going to be, man, I can't believe what God did in that season of our church. And I'm going to say this, and this may not be popular, but it is the truth. If the reason we're here is for God to break this thing up and we go in separate ways, it just means that God is taking docks and is going to move it and scatter it all over this community. 
Now, I don't want that to happen. You don't want that to happen. But as we're hearing right now from God, we don't know if that's what's going to happen. I'm not sitting here praying that it does. But if we go through something hard like that, it's because God is molding and shaping us, and who knows what's going to happen. Maybe God says, I don't want one docks of church in Spartanburg County. I want multiple docks of churches in Spartanburg County. And maybe that looks like a bunch of little house churches, and who knows what that, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But that's not easy to talk about, right? We don't want to talk about that, right? It's hard. That's not, that's not exactly what we're, like, we, the, the, that was, wish you hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't said that, okay? But that's, maybe that's what God, God is doing. I don't know. But until he says or shows us where we're going to go and what we're going to do and what's going to happen, I'm going to be right here and I'm going to praise the Lord and I'm going to worship him. We're going to hear the word and we're going to do what God has us to do in this moment. Because this is where we are. Like I said, we can speculate about what the future holds, but again, Solomon tells us what good is that because none of us know. There's only one that knows, and that's God. So, I mean, just think about this. This is a quote that I heard this week as I was studying. is that God's will for man. We're all about what God's will is for our life. But, but hear this. God's will for man is not set on a meaningless set of rules but a walk that brings a sense of fulfillment. If we could sum this whole thing up, that's really, I think, what this is saying. And if you notice that word there, I think it's up, up on the screen. God's will for man is set on a meaningless, not set on a meaningless set of rules, but a what? A walk. What happens when you go on a walk? What happens when you're moving? You're, you're not staying still, but you're not running and sprinting to the next goal. You're, you're walking. When we're on a walk with God, when we're on our walk with God, is everything perfect? Is everything good? When we walk with God, it rains sometimes, right? When we walk with God, there's sunshine sometimes, right? When we walk with God, sometimes there's boulders, sometimes there's hills, sometimes there's valleys, sometimes it's hard to walk with God. But he says, it's, you're going to walk, and it's that walk that brings a sense of fulfillment. I think that's what Solomon's trying to teach us here in these Proverbs of Ecclesiastes that are so completely paradoxical to what the world says. The world wants you to sit in an easy chair and just take it easy, and God says, no, I want you to get up and walk with me. And God never looks at us and says, it's going to be easy. God says, no. I mean, I think if we can read our Bible, if we just open it up and look inside, we see it's going to be hard. Because I don't think there was anybody in this book. God's son didn't have it easy, so why should we? Worship team, you can come on up. So we go back to that question. Verse 12 of chapter 6. Who knows what is good for man while he lives the few days of his vain life? Verse 14. 
of chapter 7 says this. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. In the day of adversity, consider God has made them the one as well as the other so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. There's our answer. What's good? Who knows what's good, right? Only God. So this morning, as we get ready to sing this next song, I just, I just reflect this morning. That's all I want you to do. Reflect. God has numbered your days. None of us has any clue what that number is. But you're here. And we can't try to explain what's happened to us or what's going to happen to us in the future. We can't explain that. All we know is we're here. We can't spend time worrying about the past or the future. We can't spend time trying to avoid conflict or pain or sorrow or mourning. We've got to get past this idea of that the easy way is the way that we grow. No, it's hard. Life is hard. And then we grow. Because for, for those of you that are followers of Christ, you see, and this is, this is the great part about it. This is the hope that I was getting to in, in Ecclesiastes. For those of you that are followers of Jesus Christ this morning, every time I heard the word death, I hope you were hearing not me. Because, yeah, you're appointed one time to die here on earth. But with Jesus, we have everlasting life. Because of what he did on the cross for you. Because he came down from his throne in heaven and he went through this, this life. Let me tell you something, guys. Jesus' life wasn't easy. We can read that, right? He was the son of God and his life was hard. He agonized in the garden right before he was to be crucified. Praying to his father. Father, let this cup pass from me. And yet he still got up and he still got on the cross. And he did that for each one of us. So that yes, death is the wages of sin. That is, that's what we're supposed to, to experience. But he said, no. I'm going to give you eternal life because you know me. It says this in Romans 5. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace through God that our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also attained access by faith into his grace in which we stand. And we rejoice, listen, in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in, listen, we rejoice in our suffering knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus Christ did who has been given to us. Yes, life is hard. Trust me, as the father of two boys, I wish I could tell them something different. I wish there was a way that I could put a canopy over them and I could keep them from every hard thing that's going to happen. I've got one that's 17 that's getting ready to go off to college. We hope, we hope he's going to go off to college. Maybe he's going to stay around the house for a little while. Maybe I'm going to get my wish. But I wish I could, I could be there and I could hold their hand and I could have them not go through some of the same things that I went through. But I can't. 
Because that's not what God's will was for their life. God's will is for them to walk. Not to be protected by their daddy. Because guess what? I can't even protect myself. Like my hedge that God puts on me is twice as big as the one he puts over my kids. Only God knows what's good. Life is going to be difficult if it hasn't already gotten difficult for you. I hope I didn't burst somebody's bubble this morning, but maybe it's a good thing I did. Thank you, Solomon. Life is hard. But God, through Jesus Christ, listen, we walk with him. Not without him, we walk with him. He walks by us. We can cry out to him like he is there. And this morning, I don't know where you are in your walk. Man, maybe this morning in your walk, you are stuck. Maybe you're in a valley and you're stuck in mud and you don't think you can move anymore. I'm going to tell you something this morning. He's right there with you. He's standing right there with you. Ready for you to cry out to him because here's what I know. The longer we wrestle with mud, the more stuck we get. There's only one way we can get out of that, and that's through God. So I don't know where you are this morning, but in, in this moment, maybe, maybe you're on a mountaintop, man. Praise God that you are. But let me tell you something. You're going to head down a valley soon. And let me tell you, God didn't abandon you. God didn't leave you. He didn't forsake you. He allowed you to take that trek down in that valley because he knows what you've praised him about, hopefully on the mountaintop. You're getting ready to call out to him in the valley. And you're just walking with God. main thing I want you to understand is that Jesus Christ loves you this morning. And if anything we saw out of Ecclesiastes, he wants the best for your life. Now, that means that it's not going to be easy. I'm not going to stand up here, some prosperity, well, health and wealth preacher and tell you it is, that all you got to do is this or that and something's going to happen. No. Life is hard, but God wants to walk with you. And God's not going to throw you out of the mud onto a mountaintop. He's going to walk with you through the valley. Thanks for listening to this message from God's Word. If you have any questions about the topic of this sermon, or if you would like someone to follow up with you about applying this to your life, please reach out to us at info at doxaupstate.church. You are loved.